And this is the cooldown episode for New Comic Book Day, January 13th, 2021. Got several books to talk about here this week. Unfortunately, no DC books. The Future State order was delayed or something happened there with my local shop. So we'll see about catching up with um, the Justice League and Superman Wonder Woman next week after I grab the, uh, the next iteration of Future State. I missed the Teen Titans Rush, so I don't know if I'll be reading that one, but uh, it's also on the list. Uh, so it will mostly be going through Marvel books and then a few of the uh, the indies that I pulled. We've got a, one from Valiant and two new publishers today to talk about, um, Abstract Studios and Humanoids. But we'll start with the we'll start with the comfortable and familiar here and and jump into the Marvel X books first, I think. And starting with Sword, um, this is Sword number two. And for those of you that haven't listened to a cooldown episode before, I'm just going to talk about the books that I read and um, go into a little bit of the story or just talk about how uh, that experience is going or kind of what I think. Uh, very long form rambly um, method, but um, we cover a lot of ground. And uh, that's getting started here with Sword number two. That is by Al Ewing and Valerio Shitty. Shitey. I wish I had the Italian accent to pronounce that correctly. Um, again, we've got the crew that was introduced to us in Sword number one with Wizkid and Manifold, uh, Magneto, Frenzy, Abigail Brand, folks like that. But we get a few new characters here in this entry. Uh, in particular, uh, Random shows up, which I thought was very cool to see. I haven't I haven't actually seen him in comic form in any of the books that I'm reading yet. And also uh, Mentallo. And this was definitely a Mentallo episode as he was kind of the focus um, for Abigail Brand's grand plan. Um, this is a King in Black tie-in. So right now the Earth is surrounded by the symbiote. Um, Noel is kind of running everything and has a large part of the X-Men and Avengers all nullified. Um, Abigail, Abigail Brand has a, a plan though, and they're sending the crew down, um, down basically to the surface of the earth. And um, they use Sunfire and Fabian Cortez to kind of reignite the sun and deal some damage there uh, to Null, or at least help on the Krakoa side of things. And um, Mentallo arrives here at like the nick of time to kind of save everybody in this uh, in this high tech machinery that he's gotten um, with Brand's help. Altogether, all it was a good it was a good entry to Sword. I wish it would have focused a little bit more, or just some at least, on the the thing that they got from some place in issue one. Uh, we don't really know what that thing was. There's a few hints. But um, uh, it's just another event tie-in. Sometimes, as, I, as we've been talking about on the show, the event tie-ins can take away from the, the pace or the momentum built up in the, in the story. So I, I do want Sword to move past King and Black so that we can dive into that. Cable, however, wasn't uh, in the story. He is on the cover 
uh, of the A at least, but he's out elsewhere. And I think we'll find more about that on the uh, in cables standalone issue. I think number seven is coming next. And uh, that's going to be promising as it shows young cable, I think, holding Hope Summers uh, or, or another mutant child, right? Not Hope. Um, so that'll be really cool to see. The next X book on the list for January 13th was Marauders number 17, and uh, gets things started with uh, Emma Frost and crew really investigating Sebastian Shaw's um, uh, treachery, at, at, in that he had uh, basically killed Kate and left um, Lockheed for dead. Uh, so in this book, Kate goes back to say th to say her thanks and meet the family that help Lockheed, as well as uh, finds out that there's kind of a, a gang at, at, at play there, um, something else that she can help with. Uh, but there's also a tied-in story running, and that's, I think, more the main focus of the issue, uh, and that is with Callisto uh, kind of talking with Storm, and uh, you, you, you don't really see what's going to happen yet, but they're talking about kind of how far they went to feel to like feel themselves or to become whole again. And basically what they're, what they're hinting at is told towards the very end where we see Callisto and Callisto enter the crucible. And what the crucible is, is now that the X-Men have resurrection protocols, they have this, um, they have certain members of the X-Men that have lost their powers from the Scarlet Witch or from other uh, instances or have kind of, um, change at least for the worse and through death they can be resurrected using the five um, and when they are their power set is returned so Callisto is um, has been powerless for some time and uh, previously Apocalypse was the kind of the executioner like bringing the will of of the mutants and he would actually battle the one that wanted to be born again to the death so that they would kind of prove themselves and sort of die in this arena in front of the X-Men and then they would resurrect them all better again, that kind of thing. But that hasn't really gone down since Apocalypse left. Um, and what happens is they're actually looking for replacements and Storm steps in and delivers this kind of like thundershock punch that just basically stops Callisto's heart and it's a like a really rainy fight scene the paneling and the action's done uh it's, it's done very artfully and uh I think having that kind of rain and uh and dark scene in the background like brought a good atmosphere to it and also is the uh, central image on the A cover uh, and this Marauders again is by Jerry Dugan and the art is by Loli um we end the book with Callisto having regained her powers and uh, Kate visiting the Verindi house, um, delivering a message, serving them basically, and they get an invitation. Uh, because we also see in this issue that Emma Frost has uh, this, I think it's like the mother mold head or a sentinel head turned into a fortress on this island. And she's invited basically all of the trading company's enemies, I think, to this dinner. Um, we saw how dinners went in in Ten of Swords, so I don't I don't have high hopes for dinner, but I I will read and looking forward to see kind of what they have planned. As Marauders has been one of my favorite books of the current um, X books going out right now. 
This week on the 20th, we do have X-Force number 16 and Cable number 7. Uh, so I'm looking forward to those, and I do need to circle back eventually to, to read X-Factor number 6. I did uh, take that one off the list, as there are a lot of X-Books, and even more coming down the line. Another entry from Marvel this week, and one that I was very excited for, was the Immortal Hulk number 42. And uh, this things have been getting pretty pretty complex here towards the end of this run, uh, as the leader is really uh, established himself down below and is starting to figure out kind of his connection to uh, the one below all in the green door, and um, some he. He's kind of uh, using that to, or trying to use that to control Hulk and, and his other alters and other folks with gamma radiation on the surface world. Um, in this issue, the uh, gamma flight, or uh, alpha flight rather, uh, quits. And um, they were previously kind of hunting Hulk and trying to maintain it, but they they finally have had enough, really, and they uh, they exit that that organization. Um, we get some crazy scenes with kind of the leader having Bruce all wrapped up in this Cthulhu-like uh, Cthulhu-like mess of tentacles. And um, we also see that in the Gamma Flight's uh, place, since they left, they bring on the UFOs, um, or sorry, the, the UFOs, whom I, I don't know for sure, but we get a few names. We get Mr. Steel and uh, Dr. Utricht. Um, and I, I don't know the UFOs from Hulk's past or from Marvel's history, but it looks like it's, it's four of them. Uh, and they've been basically given government clearance to do whatever it takes to bring Hulk back. Uh, there's also a little bit of a side story um, tracking down um, uh, She-Hulk. Uh, so there's some some good stuff going on, or and uh, we're we're kind of making that final run up to 50. I think that it's slowed down the last few issues. We've had a few issues just kind of laying things out, um, exploring the characters in the current state a little bit. So I we are kind of waiting for that catalyst or that next burst of action. And I think that 43, if the UFOs actually clash. Uh, with Hulk or maybe with with Gamma Flight, uh, we'll get that here as the final arc will get started. Again, Immortal Hulk's going to end on issue 50 um, here towards the end of the year, so that's going to be a, uh, a probably a crazy exit as Ewing has done excellent things with the title all around. Let's jump into a non-Marvel book here and talk about one from AWA Upshot. This is number two of five. It is Erratic by Kara Andrews. And Kara Andrews is actually the uh, writer and artist here. I believe he came from an art background and this is his uh, first kind of combined book, which is very cool to see as that vision then that the writer has can really be carried out um, because you can avoid the whole errors of communication or having to type out what's in your mind, that kind of thing. It's cool to see the uh, the show he's putting on or the story he's telling here as well. And uh, now I also know that Erratic is one of the characters in AWA's kind of collective uh, verse, the universe, called The Resistance, where this event happened that essentially gave some folks superpowers. 
And in the Resistance Reborn last week, um, we learned a little bit of the origin stories of other Resistance members or, or, or folks who are, were affected in the same way. Um, and in this issue of Radic, uh, he's dealing with the fallout a little bit of his, um, his potential social media leak where uh, a lady he's interested in caught him using his powers basically um, on film. But it, his powers are kind of electric based or, or something like that. And they altered the video to make it look differently and kind of um, um, embarrass her in front of the, all the popular kids at school, right? This is a high school story kind of thing where the kids are sort of trying to fit in and going to this party. But at the same time, um, Oliver is dealing with that, uh, that power set and how it's kind of uncontrollable and potentially um, only just useful enough to, to be harmful, really, with the 10 minutes, uh, 10 minutes to use his power per day. But we, we are rewarded with some, uh, some cool action here at the very end, seeing kind of erratic in motion and um, also a little bit more of a glimpse at the uh, shadowy forces at play behind the scenes. Um, we don't really, at least I don't think we know why Erratic moved, why his family had to leave, but I believe they're being followed already. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how that rolls out here. This is going to be a five-issue miniseries, and I'm planning on following it all the way through as uh, this Resistance world is pretty interesting, and I have been enjoying the the quality of the books here and the writing and art coming from AWA Upshot. They have several books and series starting here coming up that's uh, that'll be interesting, like Redemption, and um, there's another one called Chariot, I believe, uh, about a spy car that's that's kind of been recovered. So they're they're churning out some good things. Uh, keep an eye out for AWA Upshot. Jumping over to the Valiant side of the fence, we got a new entry to Bloodshot. This is Bloodshot number ten by Tim Seeley with uh, art by Brett Booth and Pedro Andreo. Uh, this is the beginning of a new arc as the last nine issues were a month or so back. And uh, it just gets right back into the, into the crazy action. Essentially, uh, Ray is trapped on this kind of, uh, this kind of like no place or like other world and a hacker is able to reach out to him um, and sort of help him in a few different ways to uh, to come back to come back to to the real world or to the real space. Uh, there's a lot of lore in Bloodshot that I'm still trying to learn about. Um, in general, there's a in this story there's a military contractor called Project Rising Spirit. I don't know if that's um, always the case, but I think that's the organization that built Bloodshot and kind of what he's dealing with as he needs to feed his nanites and um, get back into full action again after being um, locked away or stuck out in this in this other place. Uh, the, the action is is very fast moving in this one and um, and towards the end we get a tease of this kind of like anti-bloodshot. Um, again I'm, I'm still very new to the bloodshot series and lore so i don't know who this guy actually is but he's like a dark blue bloodshot with with white hair white long hair um uh 
looks pretty badass. I think we're going to have quite a collision between the two as um, Bloodshot's kind of back to full power. And the art in this book was excellent. It's awesome to see um, see these action scenes as the nanites are kind of healing him as, he, as he's getting shot or he's getting knitted up um, as he repairs. It's just a, some cool panels there. And not to mention there's a very great cover here with him getting riddled with bullets. It's the David Nakayama cover. Uh, pick that up specifically, collecting his covers where I see him. Check out Bloodshot if you haven't um, if you haven't before. Definitely start with number one. There's a lot going on in this one. There may be better starting points for the character. Um, but, you know, you always got to start somewhere. And some of these lines are so deep with, with story and books that it's just choose choose a place and get started you, know, you can fill it in as it goes this next one uh, is from dynamite comics and i actually got two covers the a and b and that is red sonia the superpowers by dan abnett and this book was excellent probably my favorite of the week as it shows the this new multiversal project superpowers um, arriving on whichever plural world it is that Red Sonia lives on. Uh, they sense a meta-signature there, and they're going around all these worlds to get the meta-human from them and, um, and basically bring them into this Project Superpower so they can defend the plural worlds together. It's this multiverse kind of thing going on. Uh, so they get to the... Um, they get to the planet, and they, Red Sonia is already hunting this witch. Uh, she's after a wizard or some kind of high witch again, actually a wizard for some witches. And she comes across the superheroes sort of assessing the jungle and things. And she, uh, you know, she can't understand them at all, but she, uh, she tries to sneak up on them and sort of bested. Uh, you know, they actually hear her coming where earlier in the book, she's the one hearing these thieves coming. So she's found some folks with uh, definitely powers, right? Some meta, some meta humans indeed. And uh, those ones we get here are Vanna, Captain Future, Mr. Raven, and the Sword. Um, and they all they have some different powers that I'm still learning, uh, getting up to speed on on Project Superpowers. But Sonya basically strikes out at them. She's not having any of it, um, battling the Swordsmen and uh, also the. Uh, the other dude, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Raven. He's got quantum acuity and genius intellect, and the sword is a meta-gifted blade master. Captain Future has cosmic hypergifts, and Vana has hypertech enhancements. Um, description's incoming there. I don't know the details of a lot of that, uh, but um, Red Sonia is just kicking ass. They can't fight her, or they can, but um, she actually stabs... Uh, she actually stabs um, Mr. Raven, um, or Sword, I think both of them, and uh, then the uh, the leader shows up again after he had gone out to search for the signature, Captain Future, and we get it to be continued with her just slicing through him. Uh, so she's not having it, but it, they do use a, a cool translator feature to let them talk to Sonya and understand her language, and even with the language, um, communication solved uh, her words are kind of stilted and um, broken english uh, so it's it's sure to be a rough um rough few issues for project superpowers as they try to reason with with uh red sonia and kind of understand um, her drives uh, 
I, I did see that Red Sonia herself isn't a metahuman, and there's some signs here in the book where they're saying the metahuman signature is farther away than expected, um, where Sonia is very close. So I don't think they're actually on the planet for Sonia, but at this point, I think they're on the planet for um, for the wizard that Sonia's after. So their missions will kind of be the same, sort of, except Sonia's going to kill it while they want to recruit him. Um, so there's bound to be more conflict there, and Abnett's doing some excellent things. Um, I really enjoy the Red Sonia character so far uh, from reading um, Russell's run of uh, the standalone or the ongoing of Red Sonia, and looking forward to continue reading that here as a new creative team is getting started um, next month, I think, for Red Sonia after, Russell, after Mark Russell's last issue. Uh, let's say new one from a new publisher for us, and that is Serial by Terry Moore, um, written and um, and illustrated, and it is about a um, a serial killer girl who's um, I she's like coming she's gonna go help her her friend now basically in the in the end, um, but in the beginning we see a little bit of her past and um, kind of what's gone on and there's quite a scene with. Um, with a, a couple on a cliffside, sort of that classic um, meeting in the moonlight, but it goes south very quickly as we learn one of them is much older than the other. And uh, there's a brutal scene where he's uh, the guy is just kind of hanging from this cliff for a moment and slips away, and uh, it almost makes my hands too sweaty to hold the comic. It's uh, <laughs> it's scary to think about it after they show the precipice he fell from. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. There's some some captionless pages where the art really carries the story and moves you through the process, and it also puts this kind of silence over those scenes that um, was impactful for her kind of coming from pushing slash allowing this guy to fall off the cliff and then changing her identity from that hiding the vehicles that she was driving and just uh sort of disappearing and it's a uh it, it was quite a quite a story and in the end we get a little bit of um this girl's dream she's sleeping in a bus and like dreaming that she's like killing all these cartoon characters just like a serial killer kind of dream but she's killing like a little bozo the clown and like a sasquatch kind of guy like just fighting them all and she kind of gets woken up from her dream to hear that um, that Brandon uh, was found dead, and that is that that guy Brandon is the one who fell off a cliff here in the beginning. Uh, so there's two ladies here. I don't know if they're going to conflict, uh, and I I was a little bit um, confused about if they were the same people. I don't think they are after the after seeing this transition scene again where. Um, she goes from like being this brunette lady who was kind of doing the killing to a uh, a blonde lady, and the little girl is not her. Um, so on second on second look, it's definitely not the same person. But um, Terry Moore is doing a cool thing here with the art and the story, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more. The cover of this was another rainy cover, and uh, a pretty cool one as it has the little girl here. Um, in her yellow rain jacket kind of holding a juice box hold it with a katana blade and just kind of some bodies strewn about so she's a uh, quite a character and um, 
She has big plans for the world. We'll see how Serial evolves. I think I only had one this week from Image Comics, but uh, one is all it took as it was a very good entry. It this week we had Haha ha, number one um, from W. Maxwell Prince, and it's going to have rotating artists, but this was by Vanessa Del Rey. And spoilers alert, spoiler alert, as always, if you, know, if you plan on reading these books, definitely read them before listening to the cool down as I don't really hold back on the, um, on the story line there. And Haha ha, ha, is one where if you haven't read it, I would recommend giving it a read as it was a, it was a very cool experience to uh, run through the story and I, I had no idea what to expect just being told it was going to be a clown anthology. I still haven't caught up quite yet in Ice Cream Man, so uh, this was a, a little dose of what uh, Prince has to offer in his writing and his stories. And we're told the story of this clown who's um, Bartleby, and he's the luckiest clown ever, right? He loves his family and his little dog and his house, but uh, things are just going south. Like his wife hates that he's a clown, the power goes out, um, he loses his job when he gets to the carnival. Uh, he gets robbed with uh, on his way out from the job he just lost. And as he's going to kind of cash his final check-in at the bank, the bank is robbed as well. So he's like the luckiest unlucky guy ever. And he's just kind of like weirdly happy and clowny. Um, really crazy vibe sort of here. And when, those, when these folks come into the bank, um, you know, they're just like, hey, you know, we told you to... Uh, you know, he told you not to laugh or like, what's so, what's so funny? And, uh, you know, he's like some typical clown stuff. And he's just like, oh, I prefer not to stop. And um, they actually just shoot him like right in the forehead. And there's a crazy two-page scene of this bullet traveling through the brain. And it's like a, a narration style that's sort of explaining a little bit of the the journey that it's making while like paying different paying attention to the parts of the brain that the bullet would be near as it's cutting kind of through both lobes and out the uh the back of his head he's just realizing how lucky he is and and like how he's realizing all these things about his life basically um you see him just uh collapsed on the ground it's a pretty dark scene for sure but he he rises up man the bullet went directly through both lobes like he was the luckiest unlucky guy got kind of no um you know no damage as it seems he was able to just handle things and um uh, and actually save the day stop this bank robbery and um you know he gets his head wrapped up and he's just like all right i'm gonna go home now and he's all fine it's just what the heck, you know, he's talking about how, um, um, you know, it's just good to be good to be happy and that kind of thing. And talking about how he's blessed. There's no way about it. Um, and he walks in to see his family and they all look like balloon people. Uh, and his wife's just like, oh, God, like come inside. She's so embarrassed that he's standing in his clown stuff outside. But the he sees his family is like just these balloon versions of themselves now. So definitely suffering some uh, side effects of the old um, accident there in the bank. But it was a, a, a really interesting standalone story that um, had you guessing about really what the uh, what the outcome was going to be. I can't wait to see more from HaHa. Ha. 
there is a second printing coming on number one, and that FOC is today, January 18th, 2021. So get that on your list if you don't yet. Um, it's going to be cool to follow it through. There are rotating artists on this, and I think it's going to be a six-issue miniseries. Look forward to more clown goodness. Got one Marvel book that I skipped or went out over here, uh, and that is the Chris Claremont Anniversary Special. I went with the Pepe Larraz cover, um, basically just a cover by, as the Danny Moonstar cover is really, it's really cool, and it's kind of leaving these crispy, snowy footprints along the forest. Um, and this story was wild. Um, I don't know a lot of why Danny's a Valkyrie. I know that she kind of freed a, an Asgardian horse or some other things happened. Um, but we dive right into it here and she's, uh, we go all through, um, her kind of experience talking with Hela and, um, kind of coming into her Valkyrie powers a little bit more. Uh, there was a lot going on in the story. Um, a lot of, a lot of directions as every few pages were kind of somewhere else with, with Valkyrie. Um, all around, it was an interesting issue, I think, to, to read. Um, if I knew the characters of Valkyrie or of Danny Moonstar and the New Mutants a little bit more, there could be, I think, more to gain here as there were some, some very cool Shadow King uh, moments and references as well. Uh, we also get a little bit of the uh, the classic rematch or the classic match, I should say, of Captain America and Rogue uh, as we kind of move around all these different vignettes. There's a particularly crazy scene with all of these different versions of the Fantastic Four fighting themselves. Um, and it's just looking at the page or thinking about the scripting there is pretty pretty wild as there's so many Sues and uh, and different timelines hinted at. So I don't know if that was, it, it's just a celebration obviously of Claremont's impact on X-Men um, and a, um, a foray a little bit into Danny Moonstar's life as a Valkyrie and potential future as well as Hela tells her um, that after her time alive, um, she may have other, other things in line for her. This last one was excellent. Uh, again, one of my picks of the week, and it was, human, it was from Humanoids. Um, this is a new publisher for me, and the book is Space Bastards, number one. Um, it's written by Eric Peterson and Joe Aubrey, and the art is from Derek Robertson. Uh, and it's essentially a sci-fi world where... The parcel service or the Amazon delivery service gets paid um, each time a parcel is transferred because every time a package changes hand, the customer pays fees. So to encourage you know a few more tra parcel transfers and some more customer fees, they give their employees basically the leeway to do whatever it takes to get that package from another employee. Um, so that it can be transferred. Um, and the leeway there is is murderous. Um, so they're basically attacking and fighting and just killing each other the whole way through, trying to deliver these packages. And every time it changes hands, the package kind of says parcel transferred. And that's that represents the customer paying more fees. And the one who gets all the fees for the parcel for the transferred parcel is the one who actually hands over the package at the very end. So we get the story here of um, an accountant who's sort of down on his luck, David S. Proton, and um, he sees this this commercial basically to work for the um, the intergalactic 
postal service here or whatever and um he decides to join and it shows this whole feeder full of people watching the intro video and at the end when it shows that the guy got a the guy giving the story is like yeah but i caught a bullet it's like the whole theater just clears out and he's the only one interested still um he uh he he does get the job though and um he gets started working for the first day you're allowed to shadow a veteran and he's shadowing this guy called manny corns uh there's just this like brute cigar smoking guy um with like a unicorn horn and he's he's working with him and kind of learning the way of the trade and he's sort of resisting at first not wanting to fight for the money but at the end of the day he sort of learns his learns from manny corns and is able to deliver the package successfully uh, and we see uh, quite a future unfolding as he's sort of walking away into the into the distance and asking for the next package uh, there's going to be more here from Space Bastards. Number two is also on FOC for today, January 18th. Uh, and it, it was really funny. There's some rude and crude humor. And uh, all around, I think it was a, um, a one I would recommend if you happen to see it on the shelves or uh, recommend if you, um, if, if you want to jump into a series here in the middle or track down number one and get in at the beginning uh, it was it was excellent all around uh, I didn't get the B cover I planned so I missed FOC slightly uh, but I did track down an A so um, looking forward to see how that unfolds and and what David S Proton and Andy Corns get up to next as it was just kind of high paced action and that kind of thing the whole way through and without the future state books, that sort of wrap that wraps up the reading list for this week. And I look forward to covering those future state books and uh, talking about them more next week. And we have the creative team from IDW's Chain to the Grave on our creator series towards the end of the week, with a few others scheduled for the end of the month and beginning of February. Also check out the new Comic Book Day pregame for uh, January 20th, 2021, coming out here in a day or so. And as always, look at the website afterdragons.com for news, reviews, and updates. And find me on Twitter at afterdragons underscore. Thank you. Right